Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Bring, bring it back. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host Kevin DeVries and as always if you'd like to reach us at the EPL Roundtable you can do so by finding us at EPL Roundtable on Twitter or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Alright now we have a club update talking all things Burnley with Jamie Smith who you may know as the host of the No Nay Never podcast as well as writing for ESPN FC. Jamie very pleased to have you back especially considering Burnley just got a win against Watford. Yeah, I've decided I'm only going to come and do podcasts with you if we won a game. Because it's too <laughs> depressing talking about Burnley losing. Uh, yeah, it was a very good team performance. I I thought we'd get something out of the game, but Watford were poor compared to what I was expecting. I'd seen them play very well against Manchester United the weekend before. I thought they were going to cause us problems, but we were very, very assured in the game. Although both goals came from set-piece, I felt we were pretty dominant, created a fair bit, considering our other games this season, we've not really had any chances. So creatively, we were good. Defensively, we were good. Everything was really, really very solid. And I think it was a really good sign that, especially at home, we couldn't compete very well. If it wasn't for Robert Snodgrass's free kick in about the 12th minute of added time, it'd be three wins in a row at home. So... We're obviously going pretty well. Yeah, obviously very good news there indeed. On the not-so-good news, uh, we had a, a conversation earlier in the season about Andre Gray, and we didn't want to speculate. We wanted to, to see what happened there. Now we do know what's happened. He has been handed a ban uh, for the homophobic tweets that happened uh, earlier. Well, what was it, four years ago when they were Yeah, the worst ones four years ago, but some of them... They've not announced which tweets in particular the charges related to, but some of the ones that emerged were as recent as two years ago when he was at Brentford. Fair enough. Well, what I want to ask you is, what are your feelings as a fan of Burnley about having a player with this on his record at the club? And then what is the footballing impact of being without a, a forward that scored so many goals for you last season in the championship? Well, first of all, obviously, it's it's highly embarrassing for a player that represents your club, probably one of our most high-profile players, one of our better players, to be involved in something like this. Um, and the content of the messages was absolutely disgusting. So that has to be said first and foremost, regardless of the punishment, Gray. Um, it's possibly even lucky not to be... Uh, being charged by the police for some of the messages that he sent that were absolutely vile. Um, in a football sense, there's, there's a few um, different things to keep in mind. That The ban, I've thought about this a lot and talked with various people, and the fact that it's a four-game ban 
it seems to affect Burnley more than it affects Gray. I know he's been fined and he's got to do awareness course and these things, but when it was so long ago um, that the punishment seems to affect us, I know that it's it's just how it goes. The player's been punished and it's just a coincidence that he plays for us now and it's not like there's any conspiracy that they've gone after us, but when it was so long ago, it does seem a bit unfair that we get punished in the Premier League as well. Um, but it's hard to have any sympathy with Gray over it. He says that he's changed. We have to accept that, I suppose, just take his apology on face value. But he hasn't shown any remorse. For me, okay, there's still a chance that he's going to go out and do stuff, but he has to prove that he's changed. He has to prove that he no longer holds those abhorrent views. You can't just say things like that and then four years later say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't think that anymore. You have to demonstrate it. And I think Gray's got a really good opportunity now to be um, a role model. Like a lot of people say footballers aren't role models. I think they are. But Gray can now demonstrate that people can change, develop their attitudes and opinions, can mature over time, and he can help in what is a very underpowered battle against homophobia in football, which is still a very real problem. And I think it would be a shame, although I'd understand it in a way, if Gray decided that he just wants to get his head down and focus on his football. Yeah, obviously that that side of it isn't very good. As for the, the footballing side... You did win at the weekend without him. Uh, what, what do you think is going to be the footballing impact over the next three or four weeks? Um, it's an interesting one. Obviously, we, we won without him against Watford. Part of me wonders if that's partly a seed mentality sort of thing. Do it for Andre. Andre's not there. We all have to raise our levels to, to cope without him. Um, although it was quite interesting that Sean Dash played a 4-5-1 again. We played 4-5-1 at Leicester the week before. Got beaten quite comfortably, although the first goal was from a, a soft free kick, so you could argue that if that hadn't happened, we could have held out, but ifs and buts and maybes. Um, Grace Pace is going to be a big loss for teams that dominate the ball against us when we have to play on the counter without Gray up front. It's going to be difficult to get out, I think, and we'll see that against Arsenal in our next game. But the four-five-one worked extremely well against Watford. And it is more difficult to see how he fits into that system, given he doesn't hold the ball up that well. He's not great in the air. Um, he really needs someone to play up front alongside him. So I think we are going to carry on with this 4 5 one while he's out, which means there isn't going to be a chance for, for Patrick Bamford, who I think everyone assumed was going to be Gray's replacement during this, this suspension. But he didn't even get off the bench against Watford, which seemed to me... Um, almost a deliberate snub, the fact that Sam Volks had collected a knock at some point and had a few minutes where he wasn't really moving very well. Even for Bamford to come on for the last 10 minutes, give Volks a bit of a rest seemed obvious to me and the fact that Dyche didn't do that suggests that maybe there's um, something off the field with Bamford, maybe he's not training well, it's an attitude thing. Obviously, um, he fell out with Palace over a lack of minutes Last year, he's almost terminated early, so I just wonder if it's um, something behind the scenes that's going on with Patrick Bamford because pretty much everyone assumed that he was going to start against Watford and he didn't play at all, which um, is maybe a little bit odd. 
Yeah, uh, Bamford has been a surprisingly uh, non-impactful of recent signings, signings that have done well. Uh, DeFour with two assists at yeah. the weekend. Uh, and then Hendrick gets off uh, to, to a pretty quick start with his first goal. What have you thought of them? We, we, we had a championship. Well, we do have the championship roundtable show now. And the Derby County fan didn't seem that upset uh, that you pushed Hendrick away from them. What have you thought of his uh, performances thus far? Yeah, I don't know how much that is a bit of bitterness when you lose a player, but it is a fact that Hendrick was in and out of the team at Derby. But Derby have been an absolute shambles, so I don't know how much of that um, <laughs> is down to Hendrick and how much of it is the change the manager or all that sort of stuff. Um, I think we overpaid for him. I think £10 million for Jeff Hendrick was a lot of money, and if we'd wanted him that badly... Earlier in the summer, before the Euros, we could have probably got him a lot cheaper. I think um, he played reasonably well for Ireland, caught the eye. I think that probably doubled his fee, maybe. I reckon we could have got him for £5 million before that. But he has made a difference. If we are going to play 4-5-1, we needed more midfielders. Stephen Defoe's been absolutely fantastic. I could probably talk for half an hour about how brilliant Stephen Defoe's been. But Hendrik adds a bit of athleticism. He's good at driving forward. That's something that we've lacked a little bit. And I didn't realise he was good in the air and he scored a header. So he's, he's clearly got a lot of different aspects to his game. I think he's versatile enough to play a couple of different positions, which is vital in the 4-5-1. Um, Dash made a little tweak at Leicester. DeFore had been the more advanced of the three in midfield, which seemed obvious on paper. He's our best player. You put him in the hole, give him a bit of freedom. But we need DeFore to be the heartbeat of the team, I think. So Hendrick took that role against Watford, got up quite close to Sam Volts at times. The two had quite a good connection. They linked up quite a few times. So um, I think that's going to be Hendrick's role for the foreseeable future. But yeah, considering we didn't spend an awful lot of money, but DeFore and Hendrick are the two biggest deals the club's ever done. Early signs are that it's been money well spent, to be fair, which leads to a bit of frustration that we didn't try and bring in two more players of that similar quality and push the both out a bit more but I suppose we can't be too greedy, Defoe's an absolute class act, Hendrick's been very good so far and yeah you're right Bamford's not had any impact yet but there's, there's still plenty of time, he's supposed to be here for the rest of the season and I'm sure we'll need him at some point hmm. uh, A player that didn't move that there was concern would is Keane at the back, he does stay helps you get a clean sheet, also gets on the score sheet, just how important for Burnley was it that he stayed? It was massive. I think he's um, he spots the press after the, the Watford game and basically said it's flattering that Leicester have been in for him, but um, he's not pushing for a move. And I think that's that's the important thing. A club like Burnley are never going to hold on to players like Keane forever. There's no chance that Keane's going to spend all his career at Burnley. He's going to go on to bigger and better things. He's going to play for England. He's like captain England. He's got a big future ahead of him. He's going to play for a Champions League club. Um, but keeping him was... Crucial. There was talk of fifteen million pound bids for for Keane from Leicester, which, relative to Burnley, is a massive amount of money. But when you look at the lack of quality young English centre backs, I think was a bit insulting, um, considering the money that John Stones went for <laughs> a player who, until Pep Guardiola got his hands on him, seemed not a defender. Um, I think we have to talk of Keane in that sort of bracket and 
in terms of valuation, talking about Chelsea offering twenty five million for him, it still wouldn't be tempting for me. Um, but in terms of what he brings to the team, he's a big threat from set pieces, as we saw in the Watford game. I'd be looking for him to get half a dozen goals this season. We're not going to score a lot, so a player like Keane has to chip in. Um, and defensively, he's maturing all the time. He's still only 23. That's young for a centre-back. He's got a lot of time. And his partnership with Ben May has been fantastic. For the whole second half of, of last season in the Championship, we were unbeaten after me moved across to play with Keane. So it's a partnership that works. Two English defenders, which is always good to see. And um, Keane has a lot to his game as well. He's very good on the ball. He seems to read the game well. He's positionally strong. And um, I just want to enjoy him while he's a Burnley player, to be honest, because I, I do expect that in the summer... Um, he'll probably move on for an awful lot of money. I'm not too worried about January because I think Keane understands that at his age, at his stage of development, he needs to play every week. Um, but next summer, I think there'll be a lot of clubs wanting to pay a lot of money for him. So I'm just wanting to enjoy him while we've got him, to be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, Burnley currently top 10 in defence in the Premier League. In no small part, thanks to him and Tom Heaton, who you and I know is hilariously underrated at all times. Um, okay, uh, the last big bit of news is the Big Sam thing. We already did a whole update on the impact of that. The question for you is, Sean Dyche has been mentioned in that. Do you think that's a possibility at all? Are you concerned about it, or are you pretty confident you'll be able to keep him? Um, I don't know, to be honest. The Allardyce thing has obviously happened so quickly. Um, I'm not sure the FA will want to be rushed into a decision. It seems like they've persuaded Southgate to be interim and it wouldn't surprise me if Southgate did the rest of the season and then there was a permanent appointment in the summer. Um, from what I've heard, the FA are very keen on Arsene Wenger and if they can sound out Wenger, Wenger's contract's up next summer, it seems like a natural time for him to eventually leave Arsenal, um, especially if he can win something this year. If they can get assurances from Wenger that he'd be keen, I think Southgate would do it for the rest of the season. Um, but in terms of English managers, there's so few of them that any English manager in the top fight is going to be talked about. I think it's early for Sean Dyche. Not having kept a team in the Premier League probably counts against him. The fact that he's won full season in the Premier League ended in relegation is a black mark, regardless of the fact that everyone expected us to get relegated. Um, but there are plus points. Motivation he's very strong on. He's regarded as a very good man-manager. Um, and some of his negative points, things like uh, in the transfer market, he's got a bit of a mixed record. It's obviously less relevant in international football because you've got the players who you've got, and that's it. Um, and so maybe in the future he'd be considered, but I think it would be very early. And even though the candidates are mainly very mediocre, I don't think Dyche would be towards the top of the list, to be honest. I think if he's going to be tempted away, He's probably got to keep Burnley in the Premier League first. Otherwise, I don't think Premier League clubs will be interested in him, let alone England, at this point. Hmm. Fair enough. Uh, all right, well, that will do it for us now. Uh, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? Yeah, I host Burnley FC Focus podcast called No Nay Never. You can get that at nonaynever.net. That comes out weekly, normally on a Monday or a Tuesday. At the moment, we are also working on 
a special podcast focused on LGBT issues in football off the back of the Andre Gray tweets. That'll be out in the next couple of weeks. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at net. And if you want to read more from me about Burnley, I am the ESPN FC blogger for Burnley and I have stuff before and after each game at the weekend on there. Awesome. Well, thanks so much and uh, best of luck to Burnley through the season. No worries. Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.